0: to MuggleCast episode 406. I'm Andrew. I'm Eric. I'm Micah. And I'm Laura. And on today's episode, we are going to be discussing Fantastic Beasts, The Crimes of Grindelwald, deleted scenes because the digital edition of the movie is now out. And we also have a couple of interesting featurettes to discuss. I didn't really expect them to be so interesting, but lo and behold, there's some good stuff to talk about. Mm-hmm. So we are going to do just that. But we also have a Slug Club member joining us this week, Jack down in Australia. Hello Jack. Hello. Thank you for staying up late.
1: Oh, anything for you,
0: Andrew. Oh, oh, for me, just for me. Just wow. for Andrew, okay. Oh, <laughs> well, we see how Australia, it is. Australia? <laughs> okay. Great. Australian late night romantic talk. I love it. <laughs> Actually, it's kind of appropriate that we have you on today because Curse Child just opened up in Melbourne. And you're in Melbourne, right? Yes, I am.
1: Yes, it did. The premiere was today. Well, I, yesterday, now I think. Uh-huh. I don't know. I, yeah. Do you have tickets so, to go
0: see Curse Child?
1: Yeah, I do. I have. I, I have two sets actually. I bought my own, and then lo and behold, my family decided that they all wanted to go too. So um, that's exciting. I get to go twice.
0: So when are you going?
1: I'm going in May, and then I'm going in September.
0: Nice. You had actually written to us a couple months ago offering up some tickets you purchased for Cursed Child in America. And you said, hey, maybe Laura could use these, which was very sweet of you. We didn't take you up on that, but thank you anyway.
1: Oh, you're welcome. Anytime, guys.
0: <laughs> Does Laura know this?
2: I, yeah. I do. I, I do. Unfortunately, it was just going to be too short notice with my work schedule to be able to make it work.
0: Yeah. Yeah, well, I decided for Laura that she wasn't going to be able to go, God, <laughs> No, Andrew know, was maybe. like,
2: I'll just sell the tickets. <laughs> yes, thank you
0: so much, Jack. I flip them for like $1,000 each on, on StubHub. <laughs> okay. Greetings, guys. I'm on a cruise right now. Thanks to those Cursed Child tickets. I so, mean, to
1: be fair, I could probably have put a small deposit on a house by this stage with all the money I've spent on Cursed Child tickets. <laughs> probably. <laughs> <laughs>
0: So let's get your fandom ID. In one breath, please give us your favorite book, movie, Hogwarts House, The Morning House, Patronus, and your favorite Dumbledore, who's not Albus.
1: Okay. My favorite book is Order of the Phoenix, the beginning of my fandom journey. My favorite movie is half Prince for the things that were added or Chamber of Secrets for the things that stayed the same. My Hogwarts house depends on who you ask, but I identify as a proud Ravenclaw and do not like to listen to the lies that Pottermore tells me when it tells me that I'm a Slytherin. <laughs> I like to think that it is our choices that show what we truly are and if Harry gets to choose, then so can I. Uh, Ilvermorny house, don't know, don't care. Um I think that that's something that purely fan service for all you americans and you know if joe ever wants to bring it to australia i'd be very excited to find out what house i would be in (laughs) but screw the
3: american sorting system that's just fan service
1: (laughs) well you know i i I would never have gone to ilver morning so what what do the houses mean Mm -hmm. to me
3: that's a good point you would be a horned serpent
1: would i is that the equivalent of a slytherin
3: and Ravenclaw. Yeah.
1: Oh, okay, cool. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Eric. Thank you for being oh. on my side. Um, my Patronus. Now, as a child of the nineties, I was really offended by this one. So anyone who grew up watching The Lion King on repeat as I do can tell I did can tell you that uh hyenas are the death eaters of the Lion King world. So <laughs> to be told in the same day that you're both a Slytherin and a Death Eater is a lot to handle. Um, however, my best friend came to the rescue in all of this after i told her about it and she said to me and i feel like laura you will appreciate that this she said to me did you know that hyenas are the only species in the animal kingdom with an alpha female
2: so i'd like to thank
1: joe for knowing
2: me so well and giving me this hyena patronus. i (laughs) love that so much <laughs> way to turn what could have been really disappointing into something super empowering yeah exactly sounds like a great like... friend you have <laughs> i mean it's possible she was lying but, who knows. Uh,
1: but if anyone out there is is in the hyena in the hyena squad like hit me up and we can start a support group or something
0: watch the lion king together <laughs> and who's your favorite dumbledore who's not albus
1: um, I suppose I'm going to go with Ariana, um, because she's the only one who hasn't upset me yet.
0: Okay. <laughs> yes. We'll see what happens <laughs> in future like, Fantastic Beasts All the movies. rest. <laughs> so, you also suggested an interesting fandom ID question. If you were given the chance to ask J.K. Rowling one question, what would it be?
1: Okay. So, this is a question, guys, that has been bugging me for, like, over 12 years. So, I, I really, I need to know. And I really want to get your input on it, too, but... I just want you to know that I feel like the only thing that's ever going to satisfy in me in this is that if I hear this, the explanation from Jo herself, kind of a bit like how we don't know whether Lavender is alive or dead. Mm. Um, so in Half-Blood Prince, in Chapter 2 in Spinner's End, when Bellatrix is interrogating Snape, one of the things that Snape says after he's already satisfactorily answered all of Bellatrix's questions, he drops in this bomb where he says that the Dark Lord is satisfied with the information I have passed him on the Order. It led, as perhaps you have guessed, to the recent capture and murder of Emmeline Vance. And I just, I would like some justice for Emmeline Vance. I need to know exactly what's going on here. Um, so my question for Joe is, is Snape telling the truth? And if he is, what on earth? Who authorized this? Is, has Snape gone rogue here? Like, did Dumbledore sit around in his office and pick names out of a hat and go, here, we're going to sacrifice one person for Voldemort. Who shall we choose? Um, uh-huh. So I, I did Emily Vance volunteer herself? I need to know. And I, I'm never going to sleep again until I figure it out, guys.
2: <laughs> That's yeah, such a good I question. So. I definitely got the impression that Snape, you know, did a lot of things that he wouldn't have otherwise done in order to secure his... Um, his position as a double agent and to make sure that Voldemort believed him. So I I don't think that you're far off in suggesting that perhaps she might have been a sacrifice. Yeah.
1: Which is really horrible
2: to ponder, you know?
1: Yeah. You think Snape himself was responsible for that?
2: Mm, I think that he at least would have had something to do with the orchestrating of it. Okay.
0: Cause and why bring it up? This is what keeps you up
2: at night,
1: you know? Yeah, that's exactly right. Why bring it up? It, he volunteers that piece of information. That's the thing that's always like when we were back in the day, back in the early days of Mugger class, when you guys were always debating which side Snape was on, I was always like, I can't reconcile this one little thing that he says. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's yeah. always bothered me. And mm-hmm. I think that it, he has to be telling the truth because it's, it's, you know, it's, it's, High risk, low reward. If he's not, it's not difficult for Bellatrix to to uh, confirm this information. You know, mm-hmm. he, Snape's not telling this to someone like Narcissa or Lucius, who doesn't have a backbone and wouldn't go to Voldemort and ask directly whether this is true or not. This is Bellatrix. She's a loose cannon, and she thinks that she's the most important person in the world. So she would go to Voldemort and say, "Hey, Snape told me this. Yeah, is this true?"
0: Interesting. Well, we hope J.K. Rowling answers it for you one day.
1: Well, to we start, know she listens.
0: Hit, hit, oh, she listens to this show? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you keep pretending. That. <laughs> <laughs> um, hit her up on Twitter. <laughs> Maybe she'll answer you there one day. Oh, God. It has now been 42 days since she last tweeted or retweeted, by the way. Rolling Watch continues. And liked.
1: Well, that doesn't yeah, seem God. like a very efficient plan, then, if I'm going to ask her this question.
0: Well, whenever she comes back, she'll be nice and fresh, you know? She'll be ready to take some questions. (laughs) The only question I have about this whole Joe not
3: being on Twitter thing is, at what point will Micah get bored and unfollow her?
0: Mm, Good question. I remember when he refused to follow her
3: because... (laughs) Said it wasn't interesting. She wasn't being interesting enough on Twitter again. (laughs) So, Micah, have you been thinking of uh, pulling the plug on uh, at JK underscore rolling? Not
4: yet, but maybe if it gets... uh, Two months, three months, i have to consider it. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) We're close. We are.
2: Mike is over here like, it would be a real shame if I had to unfollow you,
0: Joe. (laughs) It would be a terrible, (laughs) terrible thing. All right. So a couple of news items. We've been off for two weeks and two pretty big things happened. We previously spoke about Fantastic Beasts 3 hitting a production delay. They want to work on the script more before starting shooting. It looks like they are going to start filming in late fall 2019. And then about a week ago, Warner Brothers announced that they were opening their new Dune movie on November 20th, 2020. That is significant because they were previously holding that release date for Fantastic Beasts three way back in 2014. They said crimes they they dated, um, they set two untitled WB event films for November 16th 2018 and November 20 2020. They did that at the exact same time. Crimes of Grindelwald ended up taking that 2018 date. Everybody presumed Fantastic Beasts three would be 2020. So now they put Dune on it, and Warner Brothers isn't going to release two movies on the same day. So I think it's highly likely that Fantastic Beasts 3 won't be coming out until 2021 now, which is kind of a bummer.
2: Also not surprising. You're right. Not (laughs) surprising. Let's be real. Mm -hmm.
0: Because if they start filming at the end of this year, they're probably going to be filming for close to a year. They got to work on special effects. It's going to take a long ass time for a movie like this. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, so I guess the question is, when when could it come out now? Marvel and Disney have proven that you don't need to release a movie in the summer or fall anymore for it to be a blockbuster. Last year, they released Black Panther in February. It was one of the biggest movies of the year. So it's possible they could release it spring 2021 or very early summer 2021. I hope it's not any later than that, though. (laughs) I
4: think the question, though, is... (laughs) how does that impact the rest of the release schedule are we then pushing all the films back you'd have to right
0: i would hope that they can maintain a two-year cycle like they did previously or, You yeah know, between movies one and two because mm-hmm. you also got to think like you got to keep the fandom pumped you know and you can't release a move every three years that's painful for us Yeah. Half of us are gonna might might grow out of the wizarding world by twenty twenty five. So you gotta you gotta get these things out while we're interested.
2: (laughs) Oh yeah. God knows, Andrew, you know, we made it to thirty being obsessed with the fandom, but give us another five years and we just can't take it anymore. (laughs) That's it. I'm done. Thirty five,
0: it's over. Right. (laughs) We're
4: gonna be married with kids. They're gonna do the podcast for us.
0: (laughs) Yeah. That Micah, you're great. the oldest of us all. I mean, you're going to lead the charge on that. I hope. If When's I little Micah going to start hosting the show? Oh my god! Uh, hey everybody! 2021. <laughs> yes. 2021. Okay. Oh, you, you Micah's going to have a kid.
4: His voice would not be that high pitched. <laughs>
3: <laughs> hey
0: everybody! It's I don't even know what a baby Micah voice.
3: You guys, I'm obsessed with this new idea that we're going to have one day a Mugglecast Junior.
0: Yeah. <laughs> well, Mikey already. Uh... Oh yeah. Mikey had you a kid. Mikey yeah. I bet I bet Jamie's going to have a kid soon. He's married now. Didn't invite us to the wedding, but he got married.
2: <laughs> it's because he grew out of the fandom. <laughs> it happens
3: at different rates to everybody. Quick WB, yeah. release all the movies.
0: Yeah, see? They lost Jamie. They waited too long. They could have had him buy tickets to all five Fantastic Beasts movies. They had it done like five years ago. So anyway, even though we're going to have to wait a while for Fantastic Beasts 3... We have other things to look forward to, including a new ride at Universal Orlando. They finally announced this new ride coming to Hogsmeade. It's called (gasps) Hagrid's Magical Creatures Motorbike Adventure. (laughs) A very long name for a theme park ride, in my opinion. It opens June 13, 2019, so we don't have to wait very long at all. And according to the concept art, you're going to be on one of Hagrid's motorbikes, If this concept art is to be believed, a Hagrid is going to be at the front of the (laughs) motorbike. (laughs) I really hope that's what this is. I really hope they have an animatronic Hagrid at the front of it.
3: Oh, my God. Or it'll be like the uh, inflatable pilot in Airplane, the emergency (laughs) auto-landing pilot who's just an inflatable Hagrid. That'd be great. Or
0: could you imagine if it's a live actor on the front of the car going around and around (laughs) for
3: hours a day? No, No, that would be like a natural (laughs) extension of what Universal does so well, because their actors are really
0: good. They are. Mm. Like, they're they're in-park attraction guys. They're they're really good. One of my favorite parts, speaking of that, the in-park actors, they have a violinist playing music at the front of King's Cross. As if you were walking around London mm-hmm. and there's just got a guy playing music. That's amazing. Oh,
3: that's
5: so cool.
0: So yeah, we got a few months to go before this ride opens up. They said they're going to reveal more information in March. I would mm-hmm. also note that this is kind of their response to Disney's Star Wars lands. The Disneyland one opens up this summer and or fall and the Disney World one opens up uh, within the next year or so
3: yeah i saw a uh, social media post with alan gilmore who designed uh many aspects of the theme park and tom felton and it was just a 30 second spot announcing this title of this ride but alan gilmore said it was also going to be the most ultimately themed ride that universal has ever concocted Mm. so something about and it ticks a lot of boxes here because the hogsmeade side of of uh the park has uh could really use like this fresh blood but they use hagrid who's already like a prominent kind of figure uh you have hagrid's hut during the flight of the hippogriff smaller ride uh which is the other roller coaster that's or yeah roller coaster that's there but then also this magical creatures thing kind of speaks to the new, you know, film franchise a little bit, I think. So they're yeah. really taking an opportunity to theme it as, as heavily as possible, and maybe it'll be like going into these creature's habitats in the supposed forbidden forest. Yeah,
0: it's it's a massive ride. If you look at photos of the construction site, or when I was there last year, we we took a peek, and man, it is massive. But I'm so glad that Universal is doing a real coaster as opposed to another one of these rides where they just kind of throw you in front of screens because they're great, but this is a real Harry Potter coaster. That's going to be awesome. Morgan, who is listening live, says Robbie Coltrane will retire and full-time work at the ride.
3: (laughs) Oh, that's a question I had. (laughs) That's a question I had. Would he be... I'm wondering, you know, how in in many of these cues they have, either the actors do pre-recorded, like you said, Andrew, on the screens, uh, or in the case of the train, they have people who aren't Emma Watson uh, talking and chatting outside in the corridor. But do you think Robbie Coltrane filmed anything or would film anything for
0: this ride? I think so. And the reason I think there's a good chance is because when Diagon Alley opened, he was there for the opening. So he's receptive to what Warner Brothers, or what Universal is doing and is down to uh, participate I think. When Diagon Alley opened, he had his pink umbrella and he opened it up. <laughs> oh my god, the, that's like, oh. yeah, wow. It was so cute. I love Poor that. Poor Robbie Coltrane, though. I think he walks around with a cane now. So, yeah. Yeah. you know, it's getting up there. Anyway, that's what's going on in the news. I wanted to give a shout out to Chad, Jamie, Elizabeth, Jason, and Isaac, a few of our Patreon supporters who won our latest giveaway. They won Fantastic Piece of Crimson of Grindelwald Digital. I sent them all iTunes codes, and hopefully they're all enjoying it. We do monthly giveaways over at patreon.comslash mugglecast. And shout out to everybody who's listening live today. And Micah, you have an update as well.
4: Yeah, our our giveaway last month uh was a set of the the Potter books unopened and uh Corey uh was a lucky recipient of that giveaway and she received it. Looks like all in one piece, it's in the upper left hand corner. Uh we have a picture here in the dock that I'm sure we can share. Uh, With uh, everybody listening but uh, she said that she is now going to need a bigger Wizarding World bookshelf uh, because she seems to have just a few items uh, stuffed in there.
0: Jackie, didn't you win one of our boxes of
4: crap?
1: I did. I won your box of crap, Andrew. And then, <laughs> did you get it yet? Yes, I did. <laughs> oh, <okay. laughs> it actually got here a lot quicker than I thought. It didn't take very long, but I was in the proce- we're in the, we were in the process of renovating at the time. So it just sort of got shoved into a box and mm. I forgot about it and um, yeah, didn't get around to thanking Andrew properly until quite some time later.
0: Oh, you don't have to thank me. So wait, is it still sitting all stowed away, or do you have this beautiful collection of crap displayed somewhere?
1: <laughs> oh, I have a shrine, Andrew. I'm looking at it right now.
0: <laughs> I think I think uh, Jack is into me. Is anybody else picking this up, too?
1: I'm like the bunty of this episode. Uh.
0: <laughs> oh,
2: uh. boy. You're funny. Uh, I love it. Right. <laughs> I was, was going
4: to ask, though, in the bottom left of that photo, is that a drop bear?
2: <laughs> yes, that
1: is exactly what that is, Micah. That's exactly what they look like, and you see how it's like got its its little paws hidden. It's just so that you don't know what's under there—the massive claws that are coming for you.
5: I'm terrified.
1: Well, it's menacing.
2: I have to say,
4: it is kind of menacing. And then what is that thing in the lower? I mean, we're dissecting Corey's bookshelf here, but
3: <laughs> yeah, no one else can see this besides patrons who are in the uh, show document. <laughs>
0: Mike is going to or people are going to stop sending us pictures of when they receive the <laughs> giveaway because they don't want us vetting their. I don't know. Homes. It
4: kind of looks like a, a drunk Niffler.
0: <laughs> I don't know, Micah. You keep staring at that. That's I see a what baby you're talking about. Bear. Oh, it's a baby, oh, baby. drop. OK. <laughs>
1: yes. That's what they look like before they mature.
0: So we're about to get to our deleted scene discussion. But first, we have a word from this week's sponsor. They're a new podcast from Wondery. They're the people behind Imagine Life, who we told you about few weeks ago their new podcast is called one plus one i love this concept and i love the title of this show because my favorite person bruce springsteen talks in his recent broadway show about how in everyday life one plus one equals two but sometimes one plus one equals three that's when the magic happens he says it's the essential equation of art he says in springsteen on broadway and that's what one plus one is all about Highlighting the world's most legendary creative unions like Beyonce and Jay-Z, Google's Sergey Brin and Larry Page, and Lorne Michaels in the first cast of Saturday Night Live. What might seem like a recipe for disaster actually makes sparks fly. It makes the magic happen. Legendary songs are written, world-changing tech companies are built, and pop culture has changed forever. Join hosts Rico Gagliano and Faith Saley as they dig into these famous duos and chart the intense, mysterious alchemy that drives them to greatness. One plus One starts with the story of John Lennon and Paul McCartney, and you don't want to miss it. Just like Wondery's other podcasts, they add in music and sound effects to bring the stories they're telling to life. It's a really cool experience. Listen to OnePlus One on Apple Podcasts, Pandora, Spotify, or wherever else you get your podcasts. Thank you, OnePlus One, and good luck with the new show so it's time to talk about crimes of grindelwald's deleted scenes i'll be honest we screwed up mm. a couple of weeks ago how i i had said oh uh the deleted scenes are only going to be available on the blu-ray and then i had pre-ordered the digital release because i wanted to watch the movie again and i i get it i load up itunes everything's there Mm -hmm. (laughs) why
4: why would you need to pre-order a digital release
0: (laughs) i want to prove myself as a hardcore fan micah okay
2: (laughs) it is really i was just excited to hit that button yeah i mean like we pointed out on millennial last week you really did need to do that because they might run out you never know. Yeah, they
0: might run out of <laughs> copies. You never know. But it was exciting because then you get a little notification from iTunes: your pre-order is now available. Mm, you like didn't that. get that if you ordered. I didn't. know. After. Yeah. <laughs> Devastated. So I, I was not clear
3: which version the features would be on. So I, I did. Uh, I was waiting for someone to discover uh, when they were available for public uh, consumption. So thank you for. Messaging, because then I got the movie. I don't usually buy things on iTunes, um, but I paid the full nineteen ninety nine for the film and all these special features. So, mm.
0: yeah, same. Um, I didn't. I think the iTunes one might be the only version with all the extras. So, if you go to like Google Play, I know Google Play offers the extended cut. I don't know if they break out the the deleted scenes and all the features. Mm. W- Anyway. I need
4: help though, Andrew, and I'm glad you helped me because I couldn't find the the extras. You had to click on that little iTunes extra button.
3: Yeah, it opens up like a it opens up like a fake web page, and there's music playing, and it's like I guess it's trying to be a DVD menu, but it's not a DVD, mm-hmm. so it's a bit confusing. But I had to like navigate and use the back button to get to all the special features because there's there's actually quite a few. I'm pleased with overall the special features, like you said, but. Um, yeah, a little weird using iTunes. As How a... does
0: this iTunes work? <laughs> I don't get it. <laughs> we're old. We're, we're iTunes? A- <laughs> we're aging out of iTunes. <laughs> Why do you play a movie in iTunes? <laughs> hey. So there were a couple of themes that I noticed in the deleted scenes that stuck out, and we'll discuss these. Um, first of all, there are a few Where Credence has actually a pretty cozy relationship with Nagini. And you don't get that in the final cut of the movie. In one scene, they're sleeping in each other's arms. Mm. And then Credence wakes up and he's like, oh, I didn't mean to be cuddling her. Oops. (laughs) And then there's this other scene where he's caressing Nagini's arm. I got the impression that maybe they cut these out because they didn't want to let people think they were maybe romantically interested in one another, and the reason I think that is because I remember speaking previously about how they didn't seem romantically interested in one another at all in the final cut.
3: They seem like they need each other I think in the movie in the final cut um that there's there is some sort of uh desperate ish connection. Um, I I just I would have preferred to have felt something or thought something about those two instead of not knowing. Like I I genuinely I, I, these are tender moments that we're seeing. Um, including the scene where Nagini actually encourages Credence to show her or to let out his obscurus, which is what we saw in all the trailers. Uh, for the movie is is she said she says something like we're free now, so you can you can do it. And there's this just this moment where he. Let's see Obscurus out, and it does this dance with this music in the sky, and it's kind of like, I don't know, they had something, and it just didn't make the final cut, but I feel like these scenes really show us that, they they go to show that this movie really is three or four different movies, like, there's so much stuff character-wise that's going on in J.K. Rowling's mind that, you know, didn't make sense to be, like, super, super streamlined, but it's all, I think, very beautiful. Jack, what do you think?
1: I think that um, the scenes with Nagini were very, very much intertwined with her transition into Nagini the snake. Um, So two of them, the one where he kisses her arm, he sort of kisses where the, um, where the snake scales are. And then there's that scene where they're, they're lying, they're lying in the room next to each other and he's staring at her, but her eyes are like snake eyes because it's early morning and she hasn't quite fully transitioned back yet. And I think it's just too early in the film series to start this like Mm. countdown to doom tension when we've got three more movies to go. Um, and also I think that by taking this out, Nagini becomes about the only female character whose arc is not romantically tied to a male character in any way. Um, and I think that that's sort of important given given the things that happen in this movie with, with Queenie and with Tina um, and Lita. Uh, and, you know, we can even add Bunty in there. How they just – they can't sort of exist without the men around them. Right. So I, I was glad that they took it out. Plus the dialogue on that roof scene was just – it was horrible. It was like they were taking, um, like, advertisement slogans and – putting them into dialogue it was like um <laughs> she says she says make it happen and Krita says what and she says because we're free and yeah. I, yes it, it was it was not good i'm glad they took that out mm. yeah that dialogue
2: was not get the- great
0: <laughs> <laughs> what do you think of these laura
2: um You know, I thought the extra context was interesting. I think my problem, and again, this sort of relates back to the fact that there are just way too many characters in this movie. I didn't feel anything for Nagini in the movie because I was, as a viewer, a little bit confused about her role. Like, I was, it kind of felt like, oh, this is just another fun thing that J.K. Rowling's throwing in here. Nagini's actually a person. Yeah. But I was just unclear as to what role she played in this story apart from just being human Nagini. And while I don't think that we needed quite this much context about her relationship with Credence, maybe a little something would have been helpful. Like, I would have felt a little more payoff as a viewer if I had had something. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah. Another big theme coursing through a few of these deleted scenes was the floating cloak. And we see it at the end of the movie when Lita is explaining the whole baby swap story. But there was a whole opening sequence that was actually cut and included in the deleted scenes. And it was going to be the opening, because this deleted version starts with the WB logo. Yeah. It cuts to Credence coming back to life from that little spark at the end of the movie. And he finds his adoption papers, and he screams out in anguish. And like I said, we get this floating cloak visual. And this also comes up again in the dancing sequence at the ballroom that we will discuss a little later. Mm -hmm. So it seems like they wanted to save that for the very end of the movie as opposed opposed to threading it throughout the film, which I thought was interesting.
4: Yeah. Well, the two scenes that you mentioned, Credence Reborn and At the Docks, I thought would have worked very well in the film. And I'm kind of surprised that they didn't include them because my feeling was that it would have provided viewers with context for one that credence had survived, it also mm-hmm. lets the audience know how he ended up in Paris and just providing that better tie, as you mentioned throughout the movie to this mysterious white cloak shroud you know that we see as Lita's boggart later on in the film also you know yeah. Yeah. to kind of dangle that out in front of. Uh, viewers at the very beginning of the movie, I thought would have been just better. Like, and because you do see it multiple times, you start to question, "Oh, what is that?" Uh, but then maybe mm-hmm. it's starting to confuse us as to who Credence is, because maybe people would make the natural connection between this white cloak and Credence, and Credence being Lita's brother. And I don't know. I don't want to go back into that whole conversation again, but. <laughs> mm-hmm. I, I just I thought that these were two scenes that could have could have been in there.
2: I agree. Mm-hmm.
0: I was confused by the at the dock scene. So Credence gets to the boat, and I agree with you, it would have been interesting to see Credence leave America. That said, um I thought it, it helped build a surprise when Newt's at the Ministry of Magic and they're like, Oh, he's actually alive. But anyway, he approaches Uh, the boat, and he sees Circus Arcanus packing up, loading their stuff up onto the boat. He just stares (laughs) at Skender, and I I don't know what happens, but Skender lets him in and helps him load Circus Arcanus on the boat. Why? Why? (laughs) Did did Skender take one look at him and be like, oh, he could work for us in circus arcanus i just didn't get that because other people were also staring at circus arcanus packing up but they weren't let in yeah there was a group of people that were like trying to get in at the fence
3: i I wasn't clear about it either you're right i wonder if it's one of those cases of special features or special effects not being completed maybe he kind of like would have dusted a little bit you
0: know to like show him that he has a skill or he, like, sparkles like a vampire in Twilight. Exactly. So you know that he's, like, got powers. Exactly.
1: <laughs> I got the impression that the other people on the docks were muggles and that Skender sensed something in him, something magical in him, which was why he let him through.
0: Oh, okay. That could make sense. It would have been funny if, like, there was a really, if there was an extreme close-up on Credence's face and you just see him whisper, <laughs> Obscurus. Skender lets him in. <laughs> or if he says very quietly <laughs> I'm here to know who I am <laughs> <laughs> Not with that sound It yeah. would have been I want to know who I am <laughs> Very flat <laughs> Andrew, though. Oh.
2: I did find the awkward Like half-hearted pushing At the gate to be really cringy <laughs> That I like I was like wow They like they're not really All in <laughs> on this are they <laughs> <laughs>
0: Pu- what do you mean pushing pushing the stuff up onto the boats the muggles no
2: no no when they showed the overhead shot of the group trying to push to get through the gate oh and skender opens it up to let credence through and everyone's just sort of like uh, uh.
0: guess we won't work for them you know
3: black friday was very different back in the 20s laura <laughs>
0: <laughs> everyone was polite and they still understood the value of queuing So there was this other scene and this is probably one of the most important and it's pretty shocking that they cut it out. It's called Walk and Talk. And by the way, who comes up with the titles for these <laughs> scenes? Because it's literally titled I Walk know. the letter N talk. It's Walk not and
3: that's talk. somebody on the I can answer that question too. It's it's clearly somebody involved in the production of the special features because these scenes all just are numbered. This this would be scene yeah. like thirty two point B <laughs> point one point five, you know, like it would not be called walk and talk in that it's unless jk Rowling's doing like
0: an aaron sorkin homage which would be pretty cool. <laughs> right but so some dude is just sitting there on the warner brothers lot in like the basement <laughs> and he's like what am i gonna name this one walk and talk <laughs> yeah yeah pretty much <laughs> so so this one depicts dumbledore telling newt why he sent him to new york newt says
2: yeah that
0: <laughs> newt says so why did you send me to new york Dumbledore replies, "Because I knew Grindelwald would try to catch Credence. He had a vision, you see, many years ago, in which an Obscurial killed the man he fears above all others." Then Newt replies, "You." And then Dumbledore says, "I thought you might deprive Grindelwald of his weapon, not by killing Credence, but by saving him." What we're we gonna say, Laura.
2: Oh, I was just gonna say, um, yeah, I I don't get why this wasn't in the movie mm-hmm. um as a matter of fact i was watching these last night and mark was sitting with me and he was working on something totally different but he heard this and his head snapped up and he was like why why did they not put this in the movie yeah.
1: <laughs> because they had to put a lot of use of karma into the movie and he took <laughs> that's
3: well, right he's important to the prophecy <laughs> and the prophecy is very important. <laughs> Um. Yeah, all of these visions and prophecies, like, I, 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 they have to cut some, they have to keep others, bottom line. I think at least a version of this scene exists. I mean, Newt does confront Dumbledore about tricking him to go into New York in the film, so at least that's something. But this whole idea of the Obscurial is going to kill Dumbledore, that is something that definitely would have made us a little bit more concerned for the way Grindelwald is manipulating Credence during the film. Hmm. So... It, it is necessary context, I think, to raise the stakes as high as they can be.
4: But I think the question that's asked here is a really good one. Is Dumbledore the man that Grindelwald fears above all others? He doesn't specify himself.
2: Mm.
1: Who else could it be, Michael? Uh,
4: Yusuf Kama.
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I think because later in the movie grindelwald says who is the greatest threat mm. and that guy who ends up mm. dying through the blue flame says albus dumbledore mm. so and dumbledore you know he, he's a little full of himself he doesn't have to reply to newt, yes <laughs> newt you're right <laughs> they both they have a mutual understanding that he is the man that grindelwald fears but it's very vague all others why be that vague Mm.
1: because Remember, it's
0: Dumbledore.
4: Right, but it's right and it's J.K. Rowling who's writing it. <laughs> Maybe this is why it was cut.
0: So does Grindelwald believe that the Obscurus is the only way that Dumbledore can die? No.
3: You know, if Grindelwald had that vision of an Obscurial killing Albus before Ariana died, then it might have been surprising to him when Ariana died in their 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 battle, their fight, their little duel, Um, because I think this raises all sorts of questions about Ariana, because if Ariana was, in fact, an Obscurial, which, again, remains unproven, then, you know, Grindelwald might have been suspecting that something would happen to Albus way back then, even before New
0: York.
4: But would he be the man that he feared above all others at that time?
0: Uh, it depends on where the relationship was. Oh, that's was. a good point. Yeah, because I'm thinking like present day 1920s, but you might be right, Micah. Mm-hmm. Maybe at the time he didn't know who the man he fears above all others was. He just like had this like prophecy. <laughs>
3: yeah, I'm interested <laughs> in one s- day. Yeah, I want to see how these visions work for sure. Maybe it's the hookah pipe, yeah. or the hookah pipe might be the only reason, the the only way he can share his vision with others. I'm a bit interested in that.
2: Mm-hmm. And I mean, it It could be a bit like the prophecy with Voldemort. I mean, ultimately, it was about who Voldemort chose, mm-hmm. because he could have chosen between Harry and Neville. And once he made that choice, then whoever he chose was the child that he needed to kill,
0: Interesting point.
4: And we did see at least the opening of this scene in multiple trailers, right? Because he uses the put-outer.
3: Oh, yeah. Yeah, he does. Yeah.
0: So maybe for a time they were considering keeping it in the movie.
3: (laughs) Oh, that's right. That doesn't even... Because we don't actually get the put-outer in the film, do we?
0: By the way, the the deleted scenes total 14 minutes of material. That's a lot for deleted scenes. Sure, yeah. All right. So another one, this was at the very end of the list and I saw the title of this. So I was like, Oh my God, what is this going to be? What is this going to be? <laughs> Cause it's titled Dumbledore and McGonagall. I'm like, Oh boy, here we go. <laughs> I, I think Eric uh, is into this scene more than I am in terms of significance, but <laughs> this takes place after Travers comes into Hogwarts and asks, asks him about Grindelwald. Um, McGonagall, of course, wasn't in that scene other than at the very beginning. So McGonagall, after this, asks Dumbledore what Travers wanted. And Dumbledore looks a little troubled because he's walking through a corridor. He's holding some uh, student workbooks. And he just says, oh, it was nothing. Uh, don't worry about it. And McGonagall is all offended that Travers just bursts into the school unannounced. So what did you think of this scene, Eric?
3: Yeah, it's that he's telling her it's no big deal, and he's like, sorry, Minerva, I've got to get off marking, you know, uh, and leaves. And it's just that um, I think you get a little bit of a glimpse into where Dumbledore and McGonagall are at as characters. First of all, this is confirmation that it is Minerva McGonagall. Um, so oh, out, yeah. out of time, out of you know space, this is her, but that their relationship is not as close or they aren't the confidants we know that they later are. Like, I I think, I mean, Dumbledore and McGonagall uh, eventually, I think, can trust each other quite, quite, quite well. Um, But at this point, it's not at that moment. It's just a character thing that would have, for the film, I think it would have benefited us to understand that it's an earlier version of their relationship. It would have at least answered the question of like well what is exactly their relationship because he's not headmaster yet i guess so she can't be deputy headmistress yet i guess mm. but it just kind of i don't know at least it 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 gives you like an anchor i think for for where they're at and he doesn't trust her well enough to tell her that they've just put um like how with uh, that house arrest thing on him um
0: that, yeah cuz there was a close up shot of that as well mm. um that's a great point actually and if this was in there, this would have helped potentially build an arc over the next three films of Dumbledore and McGonagall's relationship right? Uh, getting closer.
3: Yeah.
2: So, so that's so, all. Yeah. Either that or he didn't want to fill her in on it because he was like, you're not supposed to be here. Right. <laughs> You don't fit in with the timeline. Woman out of time? Witch? Witch? Sorceress?
0: Go grab your time turner and get out of here.
2: <laughs> Excuse me.
3: I don't talk with people who are abusing the power of time. Oh,
2: <laughs> uh, oh
0: God. So, and I will remind everybody, uh, a few months ago, I brought up that the publicist from this McGonagall actress sent out an email to hyper and other outlets and was like, and she's going to have a big role in future movies. That could have been BS just <laughs> talking up this actress. So we were interested in speaking to her or she could be right. And JK Rowling is going to build an arc for, for McGonagall over the next few movies.
5: I would hope we so see. now that
3: she's in there, now that she's in there, I want her to have as much time devoted to her as uncle Yusuf did in this film.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So there was also the ballroom dance. I had mentioned this earlier. And significant here is, I don't get what the dance, the event was for. Yeah. But everybody's talking about the prophecy. Right, Micah?
4: Right. And and what I'm starting to realize here is that as we look back through a lot of these deleted scenes and we go back to even the the Credence reborn and and him at the docks, because there was that mysterious white cloak it seems like they cut a lot of the storyline around the prophecy and around lita and her brother who mysteriously died or maybe not and and so i think that's could be where a lot of the confusion in this film came from because for so long we were led to believe that credence was lita's long lost brother And then at the end, of course, we find out that that's not the case. I wonder if having some more of this in the film would have helped us better understand or just like add more to the narrative because just by themselves, like you said, the ballroom dance, it just it didn't seem like it fit. Um, There was a mention of somebody just like going up to Lita and saying her brother will lead us from the shadows. And I was like, what does that mean? Like. Who is that about?
3: You know, I'm wondering if she's imagining these thoughts for people because like the way this scene comes across and I understand why they cut it. I think it comes across as though she were a legilimens, like like Queenie, mm-hmm. that Definitely. she's like reading people's minds. But I don't think that's what it's meant to come across as. I think it's meant to be she's uncomfortable in this public Space. She tells Theseus, it's actually the only time I think they interact, which is really nice. She has this really nice moment where she's like, You know, I don't like parties, and Yaxley always tries and comes to find me. And Theseus is like, It'll be okay. We're here together. It's all right. But then she kind of imagines what every because everyone's like looking at her, or she thinks that they are. And there are these people's voices of, you know, either reciting the prophecy or talking about just very cryptic. Things And I don't know if that's just all in her head. Mm-hmm. Like, I wonder if that's, like, a narrative, like, the device that they use to kind of show that it's all in her head. Like, nobody except for, I think, if it's Yaxley, and then actually comes up and we see his, ma- his lips move when he actually talks to her. I think everything else might just be imagined, that she's just, like, kind of living darkly.
0: Right. I kind of feel like it was a filmmaking choice, just... She's hearing these whispers maybe from a distance, so we don't need to see them actually saying it. True. but
4: yeah. and, it, and it was another scene that was in the trailers that didn't make it to yeah. the final film. But but I'm really stuck on this. Her brother will lead us from the shadows. I mean, the only person that we know that's looking to lead anybody from the shadows is Grindelwald.
0: Yep. From the, you think Grindelwald's leading from the shadows, not to the shadows?
4: No, because he wants to... Bring wizard kind to the forefront.
0: Oh, in that context, that's
1: the plot twist for the next films that that Grindelwald and leader are actually brother and sister.
3: <laughs> Grindelwald is Corvus <laughs>
2: LeStrange. Oh my
3: God! Yusuf Kama is going to have to kill Grindelwald. <laughs> I can't wait for that. Oh boy!
2: Oh, he, he'll he'll be useful yet. I mean, how how the mighty have fallen.
3: <laughs> How how use of has been reduced to a punchline in
0: this episode? <laughs> oh just like... give him a <laughs> no. chance, still. He got a deleted scene. Yeah, oh yeah, I'm still he got a
2: deleted scene. I forgot that
0: about w- that. That definitely needed. Yeah,
2: of walking through an alley. <laughs>
0: that definitely needed to be cut. That was so bad. That wasn't even in the extended edition of the movie. <laughs> <laughs> oh, by the way, something really funny about the extended cut is that. Did anybody else watch it? No. Yes. No. Okay. So. When when a deleted scene comes up, text comes up in the bottom left yeah. telling you that it's a deleted scene. Mm. I thought that was so weird. I've never seen a movie do that before. <laughs> it's great.
2: Well, isn't that because in a lot of these deleted scenes, the special effects weren't finished? So you know, That's
0: what they claimed, but they all looked fine yeah, to well... me.
2: Yeah, uh, the... I mean the Credence Reborn one did not look. <laughs> no, only oh, I need to watch it again. No,
1: that's not that's not in the extended cut though. So oh, I mean, the ones okay. that were finished were in the
2: film. Gotcha. Yeah. I'm
3: still waiting for a disclaimer that the Madagos were unfinished in the final film, <laughs> but <laughs> now that was just that was just cruel. Um, yeah, the the walk to Kamas, like because we mentioned it before, is actually a really cool attempt at a long take. I want to say cuz they do go through several buildings and you have these actors that I like I liked the technique that they used. It didn't work and it didn't fit, but I yeah. I really liked the idea of seeing like the baker and the and the the meat uh the butcher like going through the shop seeing these people in their natural habitat, daily environment, but
0: Yeah. I, um, those are called tracking shots sometimes. Oh, it's mm-hmm. when the camera it's just one very long scene and they always blow me away because there's a lot of things going on that you have to remember and get right every take yeah coordination i appreciate those yeah uh another scene newt's basement so this was in there this is when jacob is down there kind of early on in the film uh it was an extended scene we get the baby nifflers and uh get some cute stuff going on there and there was more of the augury there is yeah
1: i have a question about these baby nifflers Where where did they come from? Because Newt only has one Niffler before this film. Well,
0: when a lady Niffler, why are
1: they they all different colors? And a
0: man Niffler fall in love.
3: But she's saying there's only one Niffler.
0: Well, I bet Newt has some others. Do they self-reproduce?
2: Yeah, maybe they're like um, asexual and they can. They possess. Yes. You know maybe maybe, they, sc- May- maybe, maybe it-
3: they
0: screw money. Yeah, I was just going <laughs> to say, for every 10 pounds of gold that they pocket, they have another Niffler. Wow. They
1: self-reproduce. Maybe, maybe they're breeding with drop bears. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> then they'd, they'd be, they
0: would
4: be very fierce, fierce baby Nifflers.
1: <laughs> That's where yeah. the claws come well, from.
5: I,
4: I might you misremembering this but wasn't there talk of like an underground niffler trade going on before yes. this film came out
5: yes
0: there was yeah the the story was that newt has kind of brought niffler's mainstream after the first the events of the first movie i think because of his book yeah because he writes about them in his book yep. so now there's this black market of niffler's of niffler breeding maybe or something like that yeah uh, but yeah that didn't really Well kind I wonder play maybe that's
4: where he could have gotten them from maybe he saved them from the black market or something
0: oh, yeah. like that. Oh yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Oh they're yes. rescue yes. niflas. Yeah.
3: yeah. absolutely.
1: <laughs> <laughs> totally. Um,
0: Adopt don't chop. Um but he oh, also man. said something but...
4: important in that scene I thought um and maybe it was in the film I just forgot was the uh the fact that he put some sort of spell in place that didn't allow the beasts
0: to get out of the case again. Yes. That was interesting because they can very easily get out in the first movie, but in this one he appears to have fixed it. I would have loved to have known what exactly he did. Is it like a one-way situation with the suitcase now where you can only go in but you can't get out unless you press a button?
1: <laughs> he also takes his case Everywhere in this film, unlike the first film, like during the final battle sequence, he's carrying his case the entire time, whereas in the first film, he leaves it with um I think he leaves it with Tina, who then gives it to Queenie, who then gives it to Jacob.
0: Oh, yeah. mm. well, I mean, <laughs> to be honest, the Nifflers and the suitcase are like two of the most marketable parts <laughs> yes. of this series so far in terms of like merchandise. So it wouldn't surprise me if that was one reason why you see his suitcase so much and the Nifflers. Oh my god, did you did you guys see my Niffler
3: merchandise post? That I was at the uh, Warner Brothers <laughs> Studio Tour the other day in Hollywood, and they have Niffler backpacks, they have baby Niffler plush, they have a Niffler coin purse that's so adorable. highly recommend y'all check it out you were right andrew like that is marketable there was a whole table a whole table of just niffler stuff that's funny
1: i have a um i have a niffler trinket tray like to put my jewelry on
0: i've seen that that's so cute
1: yeah it's great so
0: you got so wait eric you went out to the warner brothers studio tour and you didn't try to sneak into warner brothers and like pick up some fantastic (laughs) beast 3 secrets for us uh, that's all at the Leavesden or Watford. Sorry. That's all at the Watford
3: Junction. Oh, uh, you know,
0: the scripts are hanging around Warner Brothers, LA. I don't
3: know. They did have the, um, the pastries though. J- uh, Jacob's Pastries. So I think I can confirm that the pastry shop will not be shown in, in, uh, Fantastic Beasts three because, uh, they have it at the, uh, they have it at upstairs at the, one of the studios in the back lot in Hollywood.
4: So. The real question is, what did you bring us?
0: yeah what you get us from
4: niffler
3: there? coin
0: purses for all <laughs> yeah <laughs> great i've needed a new one.
3: <laughs> oh, it's like it's one of those uh it's it's legit a coin purse that has that weird cross uh snap thing where you gotta like use both your thumbs to undo the snap it's like those metal pegs that stick Ooh, out i at love like a, those yeah those Very are great here yeah mm-hmm
0: Let's talk about some of the other special features now, specifically the featurettes. So this first one we want to talk about is called Wizards on Screen, Fans in Real Life, and it's Ivana Lynch and Ezra Miller sitting down together for 20 minutes watching clips from Crimes of Grindelwald. One of the interesting things that happens in this is at the end, the two are talking about Ariana Dumbledore and how she could be an Obscurus, and Ezra pulls out a copy copy of Deathly Hallows and... They read Ariana's backstory, and Ivana says, Do you think Albus Dumbledore knows about you? Referring to Credence. And Ezra goes, I, so this is stuff we can't talk about. And then he says, You and I can talk about it later. We just can't talk about it now. <laughs> that tells me that Ezra knows the answer. And that also tells me that, well, I guess it doesn't confirm one way or the other. But I think it's significant that J.K. Rowling slash Ezra Miller already have that information in mind.
2: Well, and also that they left this in this feature. Right. That's a good point. Like, if they didn't want people to speculate about this, they very easily could have edited it out. Right.
3: It it just... It's... The only... The problem I have with this uh, special feature is the editing. It's just... It's just the editing because this it was always going to come to this kind of you get two super fans who are cast members, past and present of the Harry Potter films, and they're gonna ask the hard questions. Like when they pull out the book at the 16 minute mark or whatever out of 18 minutes and they start reading, I could die. I was so happy with like, you know, this is exactly what two passionate Harry Potter fans do all the time. You guys, we're always opening our books. So I was thrilled, but ultimately the first 16 minutes before they open the book is intolerable to me. It's, it's very clipped. It's very edited. Every like response to every question that gets asked is like cut in half and used from like later footage. You can just tell from the audio, it's just very, very clippy. And I'm actually just really offended that Nothing interesting happens in the first sixteen minutes or that. Like every time Ivana asks a question, Ezra like cuts her off, like doesn't even uh, like let her ask the question. He's just like talking over her the whole time about what's going on in whatever scene. And I feel like it's just this very ridiculous like control thing. And whatever footage they had at the beginning of the film, he at the beginning of the special feature, he comes to this building and he says, "We're gonna have a great day." I think they spent hours watching yeah. these whatever clips they i'm were sure they shower. just
4: didn't watch select clips for 20 minutes i'm i'm sure they probably watched yeah. the entire film and and i don't know i read your comments before i watched uh i i don't think it's as bad as
3: mm-hmm.
4: it's made out to be in terms of him cutting her off i i just okay. think they're both very very passionate and Ivana's just a little bit more like Of a reserved personality, despite how big of a fan she is, so I think she was just Mm -hmm. being polite and not like jumping in. I
0: I also got the impression that maybe Ivana was a little taken aback by just how passionate Ezra is because he's super passionate. (laughs) You know, I may not have expected this. Plus, Ivana's been out of the Harry Potter filmmaking, out of Harry Potter filmmaking for a while. You know, Ezra has been in it recently so i feel like that may be a factor too um i found this feature at to be a lot of fun i was i was laughing through most of it ezra is pretty entertaining i do agree ivana wasn't as engaged as um he was not that that's a problem with um her but i thought this was a smart idea to put these two together because in terms of cast members who are diehard harry potter fans they are probably in the top five if not they truly are the top two. But oh, yeah. I also I think
4: Ivana, she's at a bit of a disadvantage though too because she's watching this. I mean, I, it seemed like she had already seen the film but she she doesn't have the full context of what's going on whereas Ezra clearly knows more about what's happening with this story.
2: Yeah. Right. Well, yeah, that was what I found a little... I, I thought this was entertaining for the most part but the one thing that did annoy me was that there were very clear points where you could tell Ivana was kind of like, uh, I don't get what's going on. And Ezra would jump in with this explanation like, oh, well, that's a this and and this is what's happening right here. And this is so and so. And it's like, if you have to get one of your actors to film a featurette explaining the movie, that explains so much about what was wrong with yeah, it. That's
3: a good point. They go through the Grindelwald's escape scene and they're talking about that. I'm like, does this have relevance to the Arniana thing? I'm just very confused. My biggest and I got to not go on a soapbox about this, but I wonder how they get this 18 minutes out of like a whole day of whatever they were doing. Like this, 18, it just seems like there was probably a lot more. I'm not necessarily even looking for answers, but this is just the editing is too like uh, choppy
0: for me to be able to accept this as a special feature. It wasn't for Eric. He will not be watching that again. I I can tell you all that much. I'm waiting for the extended edition.
2: (laughs) Oh, my God. (laughs) 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 The thing that one of my takeaways from their discussion was, um, you know, after the big Aurelius Dumbledore reveal, Ivana says, could you have figured it out? No. <laughs> and Ezra goes, "I mean, no." <laughs> and to me, that's kind of like very reflective of my my issues with this reveal because I don't feel like there's any payoff for you as a viewer. Like it it that kind of stuff is always really fun when all of a sudden the reveal yeah. happens and then you hear you you like feel a click and you're like, "Oh, that makes sense." Or there was even like the mm-hmm. remotest possibility that you could have guessed it. That's what makes it fun. But the fact that this was just dropped out of nowhere at the end of the movie, it's not satisfying.
4: No. And and I don't know, maybe it's because so many pe- people picked up on the fact that Graves and Grindelwald were the same person in the first movie. They felt like they really needed to like pull a rabbit out of a hat and, and just completely yeah. shock everyone at the end of the film. But Uh, this kind of ties into the J.K. Rowling featurette because she says something along the lines of, and this is paraphrasing, but what you think you know at the end of this movie, you may not know at the end of the third movie. (laughs) And it's like, okay, so basically what you're telling us is don't believe what we see at the end of.
2: No.
1: But the (laughs) interesting thing is though that David Heyman uh, in I forget which feature it is. I believe it's the J.K. Rowling one basically confirms that, that it's all true and that, uh, that Credence is Aurelius Dumbledore. And I'm like, I don't know who to believe. Why are they telling me two different stories? So
0: when J.K. Rowling says things might be different by the third movie, I think she's more referring to changes like Queenie. I don't think she's referring to Aurelius oh. Dumbledore. To Jack's point, I pick that up too. When David Heyman is like, the big reveal in this movie is that credence is yeah. a Dumbledore? I took that to mean that, yeah, this is a fact because some people, including my boyfriend, this is a sticking point in our relationship. He is convinced <laughs> that Grindelwald is lying, and mm. drives me crazy because we're gonna have to wait like two and a half years for an answer to this question. I'm like, oh my god, we're gonna have this problem in our relationship for years. But anyway, <laughs> um, I took that like Jack as a fact that that um credence is indeed Dumbledore
1: but didn't do you remember when when the first Fantastic Beasts, um came out was there not a lot of conjecture about like where Graves was and different people were saying different things so David Heyman was saying something different to David Yates who was saying something different that's to Jake true Analy. yeah so this has got me worried like maybe Maybe it's not clear. Maybe David Heyman doesn't actually know for sure if if oh. Credence is a really Dumbledore, and he's just saying it.
3: Well, Graves comes up in this special feature, and actually, even Ezra asks, "Where is Graves?" <laughs> people, people are. She she <laughs> says something like, "Um, Colin, Colin, he Ezra calls out Colin Farrell's interview where Colin suggested that Graves was in a ditch somewhere. The real mm. the real Graves that he had died." But I think in calling it out, he's trying to give the fans a little bit of a nudge. I would love to see Graves again, personally,
0: the real Graves. So moving on to this J.K. Rowling one Mm -hmm. that we've Mm -hmm. just mentioned, um, there are a couple of interesting moments in it. J.K. Rowling says it's interesting to go from a world where you're safe doing magic like Hogwarts to a world where magic must be done in secrecy. Obviously, that's one of the overarching themes in the series. And Heyman also mentions that Grindelwald is immeasurably scarier than Voldemort because he persuades, he makes sense, he talks in seemingly rational terms, like he got Queenie. Yeah, and
4: then there. Go ahead, Micah. No, I I feel like he said that before, and and that really scares me for the the films to come, just in terms of what he may be able to do. Uh, I also thought it was it was interesting that J.K. Rowling said that the first movie was straightforward. The second film, it's a complex story. <laughs> and no shit.
2: Yeah, you you don't say. Um, they
0: also had some really nice thoughts on heroes and relationships and friendships. Let's play a minute or two of this because I thought it was really nice.
5: Our heroes are always not the obvious heroes the people who you least expect to be the heroes because they're always on the outside. They're always undervalued, underestimated. And actually, the reason I think people around the world connect with these characters is because everybody feels marginalised, undervalued at times, and some people just have that to the extreme in their lives. Real straight-A heroes frankly, are a bit boring, (laughs) you know? They just get everything right all the time. They know all the answers. Um, They've got everything sussed. Hermione. Lucas. That's kind of not... I can't relate to that. (laughs) I need to relate to someone who has to struggle with some of these things, and we all do. And that's what makes their characters so adorable. They have the flaws that we know are within ourselves
1: everyone wants to just hear well there are good guys and baddies and it's about wanting to fight the baddies well the trouble is that the people you call baddies think they're doing exactly the same thing it
4: is much more nuanced than that david yates and i have sat together and laughed about how this is not a straightforward story you can't reduce it to the good guys versus the bad guys because good guys cross over bad guys are redeemed this is a different kind of story
0: so there are some more nice thoughts in here. I encourage everybody to watch That's it.
4: really interesting, but, though. That especially bad yeah. guys are redeemed.
2: hmm hmm Yeah. Honestly, this featurette gave me a greater appreciation for the story I think she's trying to tell.
0: I agree. Yes. Because it shows that she's thinking it through. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which, like, I would never doubt J.K. Rowling thinking it through. But it's nice to see her on camera saying these things and seemingly so passionately.
2: No, it just honestly kind of made me wonder, you know, were the defects of this film less related to her and more related to like editing and how things were pieced together,
5: Mm -hmm. you
2: know? Like, I, I really wish that I could see the film as she imagined it. Yes. Without intervention from other parties.
3: Mm hmm.
0: Did anybody watch the movie <laughs> besides <laughs> the Got deleted it. scenes?
3: I actually, I watched i watched all of these um, featurettes and the specific iTunes also has um, in-depth uh, look-behinds on certain um, sets, mm-hmm. actually, like six or nine sets, and it's like a big thing. And I looked at all of those, but I didn't actually watch the film.
0: I watched the extended cut of the movie. Jack, what did you think after watching it at home?
1: Um... To be honest, so the very first time I saw this film, I was so confused and I didn't know what to think. The second time I went to see it in the cinema, I was like, okay, I think I got this, sort of up until the point where they start talking about that boat and then I just get very confused. (laughs) When I watched it at home for the very first time, I got so angry at so many things and like the whole Queenie thing just drove me up the damn wall and yeah i think i i I don't know maybe it was something to do with the fact i was watching on my computer and it was far too intimate and i i just i don't know i think i think i need to give it a week and then i'll come back to loving it maybe we'll see i
0: I was trying to see if there were any more clues about that tea that she's drinking when she apparently just switches over to grindelwald's side but i didn't really catch anything i enjoyed watching it at home because obviously there is a lot going on so it's nice to be able to just kind of watch it in more detail the more times you watch a movie the more things you're going to notice and i didn't really pause it at any point but i do want to go back and pause during certain scenes like in the sewer when there's all kinds of stuff written on the wall or when flamel is flipping through that book with um eulalie hicks and dumbledore listed in it um, but I did I did enjoy watching it at home. My thoughts on the story haven't necessarily changed. And I'm really excited for us to do our commentary on it. Because there was a lot of moments in the movie that I wanted to talk about with you guys. Mm, we might yes. have to do like two commentaries to put it all in. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Or a commentary where we just keep pausing the movie and talking about things. So it'll be, like, five hours long. <laughs>
3: well, we've yet to do, and, and we did this for the first Fantastic Beasts film. There's no reason to assume we wouldn't do it for the second. But those character in-depth episodes where we talk about just one character for, like, uh, their, how they grew, what they did, what their arc is, that kind of thing. Yeah. I think that'll alleviate a lot of our, like, tangential thoughts on Uncle Yusuf. <laughs> <laughs>
2: I was going to say, we're going to need, like, a multi-episodic arc to cover Yusuf. He's all and... over the place.
4: <laughs> Jack, you can come back for that. We'll do it. We'll we'll record at a better time for you. Oh, I, don't I would Andrews love thank to, you.
2: please. I'm always
1: here for you. It's 3 a.m., but, like, I'm, I'm here, guys. I'm here. Um,
4: but I think one of those characters we will end up discussing is Dumbledore. And uh, he had his own feature um, on this uh, digital release, which we're going to talk about in bonus MuggleCast.
0: Yeah, yeah. There were some big things in that article, and I'm I'm actually shocked that they ha- or sorry in that feature, and I'm kind of surprised that none of it has been discussed online yet. Yeah, it, in this distinctly Dumbledore feature, J.K. Rowling says that there is a sexual dimension to Grindelwald. And Dumbledore. And she also says the relationship was, uh, did involve love. Mm-hmm. So I think she's revealing some mm-hmm. things that we've never heard before. And we'll talk about those on Patreon this week. Patreon.com slash MuggleCast is where you can hear them. Any wrap-up thoughts before we close up today's sh- show?
1: I had a thought on something David Yates said in one of the featurettes. I think it was the one that talked about Grindelwald. And uh, David Yates makes this observation these, that he's upset that people are identifying with Grindelwald, and I just sort of think that is he is he not the director? Is he not in charge of the way we're supposed to react to these characters? So I don't know. I just
3: I don't think he's upset. I think he's pointing out that that's sort of the difference between Voldemort and Grindelwald though.
1: Yeah, well he I yeah, that, I like, think he made the observation that he showed it to they showed an earlier cut to a test audience and then everyone in the audience oh. was like, "Yeah, Grindelwald's great. Let's 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 side with Grindelwald." <laughs> and they had to go back and like redo it and completely rethink the whole thing.
0: And but that's yeah. like the whole point of that character, isn't it? We are <laughs> supposed to be persuaded by him. Yes, yeah.
3: but not so much. I think what he said specifically—they had to go back and add things in that prove that Grindelwald is flawed. That, that also goes. I think they wrote him a little too perfectly at first.
0: So Probably. then they re—so they added that scene—scene mm-hmm. scene where he kills a baby. <laughs> <Yeah>. Well, that <laughs> yeah, exactly. I was going to make a
4: point, but that kind of just completely shreds it apart i, I was going to say like it goes to what jk rowling was was saying about how the people who you consider to be the bad guys don't necessarily think that they're the bad guys they don't think that they're doing it for you know these these evil reasons necessarily so that's that's the different dynamic that we get in and i think this series as opposed to potter
3: yeah Although, and, and johnny depp says something very similar In the segment on the uh, Ring of Fire, he actually talks about Grindelwald a bit, and that's pretty interesting. Um, Something like he says.
0: So like I said, we're going to talk about this Dumbledore feature-up because it is very interesting. Over on Patreon this week, patreon.com slash mugglecast, you can pledge at the $5 level, that's the Dumbledore's army level, to hear our discussion there. We release two bonus mugglecasts each month. Eric, it's time for Quizich.
3: yes. We had a quizage question last week that was coming off of our book uh, discussion, our book read-through of half Book Prince, which we'll be getting back to, but last week's question was, what is the name of the Apparition Instructor? And this has to do with the next chapter we'll be reading, but the answer, of course, is Wilkie Twycross. And last week's winners, those who got it right, are the Real Slim Brady, Fluffy McNutters, Marley's Not-A-Muggle, Young Susie Blood... King of Kings, Deborah M, Sarah D, Shyam, Jenifler, Anne S, Justin Knoll, the Jessly Hallows, Catherine Jones, Ryuku, Erica, Supermandy, Karen, and somebody named Wookie Twycross. Wookie Twycross himself, I guess maybe? Oh, clever. Over on Twitter. So people play around with their little profiles when they know we're going to be reading their names on the show. <laughs>
0: yeah, exactly. <laughs>
3: <laughs> um, And this week's question, so this comes from the DVD special features, so things we're talking about this week, and specifically uh, the special features that we didn't talk about, which are those scene-specific sort of set-building, art department kind of things. So the question is, what prop did the art department make a hundred copies of to place in the French Ministry of Magic? Ooh. Gives you a little clue. And that's from the special features, so only people who purchase the movie can play
4: are you trying to sell the digital version <laughs> yeah
3: is I Warner mean, Brothers giving you a cut they're gonna tell me that they told me that I could that I could view the extended chat between Ezra and Ivana <laughs> if I just sell a thousand copies of just message Ivana the dvd <laughs> and the thing so
4: we need to have her back on the show sometimes we soon. do
3: we do
0: yeah get her
3: <sighs> corner her okay and
0: then ask her <laughs> All right. um, If you want any more information about this podcast, visit mugglecast.com. We have a complete episode archive. We have a new ish chapter by chapter page where you can easily access our discussions of every single chapter in the Harry Potter series that we have discussed so far. I have a feeling by the time the next movie comes out, we will have completed chapter by chapter. Possibly. (laughs) Highly likely. I think that's probable. (laughs)
2: And then we just have to start all over again. Casual vacancy. <laughs> oh,
0: chapter yeah. by chapter illustrated edition. <laughs> Look at this illustration on page five. We're making fun of this now, but it's totally going to happen. <laughs> if you would like to contact us, we would love to hear from you. Call us one nine two zero three muggle. That's one nine two zero three six eight four four five three mugglecast.gmail.com is where you can write to us twitter.com slash mugglecast facebook.com slash mugglecast or our p.o. box which is mugglecast 4044 north lincoln avenue box 144 chicago il 60618 jack thank you for joining us and thank you for your support on patreon and thank you for taking care of my box of crap you're a lovely person. <laughs> it was nice podcasting with you.
1: Oh, thank you so much. I I have been not able to sleep for about 3 really? days. I've been so excited, guys. Oh, that's Aww, so sweet.
2: This Yay. was a lot of fun. Yeah, you were great. Oh. you're like a
1: podcasting natural you oh, are thank you um i'm always here if you ever need you ever need someone to fill in just give me a yell
0: well if you're not about to pass out from tiredness you're welcome to stick around for bonus muggle cast
1: oh no i'm in for the long haul i told you i had coffee at one o'clock in the morning it's fine Ooh,
0: great <laughs> can you um would you mind sending
4: a drop bear to the p.o box though
3: sure oh <laughs> no i'm you know gonna what, open Micah? that shit that thing's gonna be pissed <laughs>
0: <laughs> gonna get my face mauled by a. it be like a.
3: And
1: if you guys, it'll be like a
0: chupacabra.
1: If you guys ever want to come and stay down under, like I've always got a room here for you. I'll, I'll show you around, show you some drop bears. It'll be great. We'll have a great time.
0: <laughs> Sounds great, honestly. <laughs> oh my god, I, can I love it. My box of crap. Check in <laughs> on it all.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
0: all right, thank you again, everybody, for listening. I'm Andrew. Hi, I'm Eric. I'm Micah.
2: I'm Laura. And I'm
0: Jack. See everybody next time. Bye Goodbye.
1: bye. Bye. bye.